In Acts chapter 8, I want to share with you two thoughts tonight. And maybe two passages of Scripture. On Sunday, you heard from Pastor Eric, and what did he preach on? What was the name of Sunday's message? Shepherd's bag. Do you remember the actual shepherd's bag that he had? We looked at 1 Samuel 17. Hey, this is home folk tonight, so we're gonna, you, I need you to talk back to me here. What were the four things, four things that Pastor Eric mentioned? He mentioned a staff, stones, a shepherd's bag, and a sling. The staff was representative of God's Word. The stones were what? I don't know about you guys, but that kind of messed with me all week long. In a great way. Those stones. Who are the disciples? If we have so many folks in here and we know and we feel that we're called to ministry, what are we doing now to demonstrate that? Right now in our lives, um, I I know a friend, um, I guess more of an acquaintance. I have a great deal of respect for him. He's a missionary in Peru. You know what his leading pastor over his life said to him, he said, Pastor, I'm called. I am called and I know that I'm called to Peru. Amen. What I want you to do is go grab a shovel and resurface our parking lot. With a shovel. (laughs) Uh, Pastor, I don't think you heard me. (laughs) I'm called of God and anointed. He's like, Amen. Go grab that shovel. I tell you what I forgot to tell you. Before you grab the shovel, you probably need to grab the sledgehammer and start there and then come back over with the shovel. Uh, uh, Pastor, it's, it's 105 degrees uh, this week. Hey, man, you better bring some water. His ministry training began in the most unlikely of places. It literally started resurfacing a large parking lot. Uh, you almost feel like it was what, was, what was the movie, Karate Kid? Right? You're going along and you, you wax on and wax off. Wax on, wax off. All cars. All cars here. Paint the fence. Paint the fence. Both hands. Paint fence. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it feels like some little Miyagi type person is instructing me in my life because I'm like, I don't see how all these things fit. I don't see how the course of my life and Pastor Eric talking about the staff and the stones and the bag and the sling. I get that, man. I'm excited about that. But it's when it comes to actual real life that I'm going, why do you have me doing the things that you have me doing, God? Let me encourage you. Such a weird example, right? Wax on, wax off. You do what God puts in front of you You dedicate your entire life wholeheartedly to what He's put in front of you, and you will soon see the rewards of what's going on. Besides just learning how to work hard and and, uh, resurfacing a parking lot, that pastor spoke to this man uh, who is now in Peru. He's going to die in Peru. He is going to be buried in Peru. He is Peruvian now. Not by birth, but by call. He has no desire. When he comes to the United States, it is clearly he is visiting the United States, and he goes back home. He said, here's what I want you to do. Before you can leave, oh, Pastor, I think I'm ready. He worked with him. He got discipled under him. I, th- I think I'm ready to go to Peru. He said, no, you're not. When you can produce 10 families that stay in this church, if you can do it here, then
then you can do it there. If you can't do it here, then you can't do it there. Until I see 10 families that stay in our church because of you, you're not going anywhere. How many men nowadays do you think would just turn around and be like, Most. You, had, you had me doing a parking lot, now you got me going off and doing something and staying here. You're preventing me from reaching my call. No, he said, yes, sir. And, and it was hard for him, and he struggled. And about a year, 15 months later, there was 10 families that he can point to and say, Pastor, these are the 10. He said, Amen. And he turned him loose, and this man is doing some incredible work in Peru. He's an elder. He's a, he is an apostle of a man who goes and works in Peru. When we talk about a staff and the stones that we're collecting, that we put them in the shepherd's bag, the church, and it starts to help shape them. Maybe they were shaped in other places, but in the shepherd's bag is where they get shaped. I want to encourage us. How do we go about and do this? Uh, this church is so great at so many things. And this idea that Pastor Eric brought up on Sunday is something that I know that I want to get better at. How about you? Yes, me too. I, can, I contemplated those words because I felt like they were from the Lord for my life. What about you? How do we go about in doing this? And I want to show you from Acts chapter 8 in just a very brief few moments of some very simple ways that we can do this. Let's start in verse 26. I'm going to do this a little bit out of order, but it'll make sense here in a minute. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, everybody say, on his way. way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch. Folks, if you're not on the way, if you're not already moving, then you miss a lot of opportunities. An important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. There are two principles that I want us to walk away from tonight, with tonight. (laughs) How do we accomplish some of the things that Pastor Eric laid out for us on Sunday? I'm going to make it very simple. One, we go and tell we go and tell. We go. Everybody say go. go. And we tell. And tell. We do both of these things. We go and tell. Then Philip, uh, I'm sorry, verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. What a great response. We are all familiar with this passage. Verse 30. Then Philip, what did he do? Ran. He ran. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie, for a great... Uh, object lesson tonight. That blessed me, by the way. That blessed me to see my elder, one of my elders, Charlie, be so full of the Spirit of God that he could not contain himself. I, oh, Charlie, thank you. That's a blessing. <laughs> Makes me want to emulate him even more, which is what an elder is supposed to do. Amen? Yes. So you don't go run... You know when, you're, when you see little kids, they kind of run everywhere, especially up on their little tiptoes when they're young, just kind of bebopping around. The older you get, the less you want to run. When I was in middle school or elementary school, you kind of just spontaneously, you'll run. My wife used to get in trouble in elementary school. It's not because she was bad, it's because she would dance everywhere. Where are you going? i just getting in line. 
And so t- uh, teachers would fuss at her, be like, stop dancing everywhere. No, that's kind of, that's a good spirit to have. The older we get, that we kind of lose that. Philip here is ready to run. Why? Because he is on guard. He's ready to go and tell. He's looking. He's scouting the room. He's scouting the room to go, hey, Lord, who, who do you want me to go talk to? Is it, is it her? Okay, no. Oh, oh, it must be him. And he's ready so that the moment that the Spirit speaks, we can run with purpose towards what God has told us to do. Amen? Amen. We run because we're prepared to share. We're looking for opportunities. The, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. So he was reading it out loud. That's awesome. Sometimes I need a little help. I stop and read it out loud in the Starbucks, right? <laughs> read it out loud where you are. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. Because he was ready, he ran to it. He got to go and tell this man. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? Well, what a, what a nice... Uh, they teed up that pitch, right? That's a give me. That's just an easy one. You're walking up and the guy's already reading Scripture and go like, hey, can you explain this to me? Oh, Amen. I wish they were all that easy. Sometimes you start talking then you hear the Spirit of God move upon your heart and because you're ready to go and tell, you start a conversation and you don't even know it's going to be godly until you hear. There's something inside of that conversation you go, oh, we're going to have a good conversation here. The waitress that comes up to your table and you start picking on each other a little bit and you realize, oh, this is going to be fun. We're going to go somewhere with this conversation because there's some interest that God has just sparked in them. Perhaps that waitress or that person next to you in your cubicle or the person next door to you, is perhaps they've been reading the scroll of Isaiah and they're waiting on someone to explain what they've been feeling and this this spiritual awakening that they're having and, and you're the one that needs to go and tell. The eunuch was reading the passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Goodness gracious, how many times do I open my mouth? In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about? Folks, if you are not ready to run and go and tell somebody, you miss the cry of so many people. They are crying and they're desperate and going, can somebody help me where I am? I don't know what I'm doing. I can put on all the bravado in the world and I still need someone to come and help me. Can you come and help me? (laughs) Is this prophet talking about himself or someone else? I don't get it. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. When you're ready to go and tell the people around you, let me encourage you, you are enough to do this. The Spirit of God that can come upon Philip here is the same Spirit of God that can come upon you. And you can take somebody from the question that they ask. (laughs) You don't need a seminary degree. You don't need a lifetime of training. You need the faithfulness to step into the moment and run towards the task that God has put before you. And go, Lord, is this a stone that perhaps that you would have us to bring into our shepherd's bag? Is this this a stone? Is this someone who is hungry after you? As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Lord, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down in the water and Philip baptized him. Amen. Go and tell. Look in the same chapter in verse 9. 
So the first thing that we're to do, if we are to find stones that will be put in the shepherd's bag, is we go and tell. Everybody say, go and tell. Go and tell. Kind of like show and tell when you were a kid, right? We're going to go and tell. Verse 9. The second thing that we do is we cause people to come and see. Everybody say, come and see. So we either go and tell, or we have people come and see. When I go and tell, I can share the experiences that God has done in my life. What, where the Lord has brought me. I, I've said this before. I promise you that I meet school teachers everywhere I go. You know why? Because my background is education. And somehow, everywhere I go, I find a teacher. Our next door neighbors in our new neighborhood, school teacher. Had a flat tire on, on the Green Hornet the other day. Had some young men that were helping me change the tire. Somehow, car rolls off the jack and squishes the jack in half. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know quite what, know what to do, so I'm looking around our new neighborhood. I see somebody with their garage door open. Guess I'm going that direction. And in my case, that was maybe a chariot. I can't wait to go back to them a few more times. You know what he is? He is a coach and a school teacher. You know what his wife does? She's a high school principal. You know what else he is? He's a pastor's kid who hasn't been in church in a couple years. So when I bring them to us in a few weeks, whenever that may be, nicest guy in the world, helped me out, gave me a faulty jack. His jack was kind of warbled. I went, um... You know this is like crooked, huh? Oh. I went and used it. Went and bought him a jack. Here, you need something that will actually work for your wife. We're going to run into the people. I can go and tell him, and I can't wait for him to come and see this group of people. I can go and tell and share my personal experience, but you know what I do? When I say come and see, I'm like, yeah, it's not just me, though. I, I have this group of people that I want you to come and meet. Because when you're here in the presence of God, um, it's very likely that someone's going to prophesy to you. <laughs> it's very likely that you're going to find exactly what you need in the presence of God. Amen. So come and see. Come and see. Come on. Just try it out. Look what this says. Now, for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. I've never met anyone like that. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. This man is. Doesn't have. This man is. Wow, interesting. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. <laughs> but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Huh. Wow, he, he, he could kind of relate to that. There was some experience in his life that he went, oh, that makes sense to me. Oh, I, I understand what it's like to be like Spencer and be a salesman. Oh, I, I can relate to him. I, I can relate to, to these different things. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Oh, looky there. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. Everybody, everybody say, any of them. Any of them. 
They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Hmm. Two baptisms, at least, right? <laughs> then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and what happened? They received the Holy Spirit. That's where we're going to get tonight. We're going to lay hands on you. If you've received the Holy Spirit before, guess what? Receive Him again. Get in the practice of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Tonight, there are going to be some folks in here who have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you're going to get baptized. You're going to have the opportunity to engage an actual, real-life, living God in a way that you never have before. We're saying, my invitation to you tonight is come and see. Come and see this Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never heard of Him. Maybe you don't understand Him. Maybe you're afraid of Him. And, boy, He's incredible. Wow. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, <laughs> he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you. Wish Peter would just learn how to you know, say what he really thinks here. Because you thought you could buy the gift of God for money? You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. He thought he could do it the world's way. You realize that's what he was doing before, right? He was doing magic tricks. He understood what it was like to be in front of people and do these great things and have people look at him personally and think that he's a great man. Here he's saying, Peter's saying, you don't understand. You don't understand, Simon. You've missed the whole point here. Repent, verse 22, of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps He will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Truth is, is when you look at the passage, it's tough to see in the words that were spoken how He was full of bitterness and captive to sin. But you know what? If Peter's saying it and Peter was there, that must be exactly what was happening. Hey, you're full of bitterness. There's something about the way he said it. There was something about the way he was interacting with him. And he was like, man, you are off the mark incredibly. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Turn to Acts chapter 2, final passage of the night. If we're going to accomplish the things that God is speaking to our church through a staff, through stones, through a shepherd's bag, and through a sling, we've got to go and tell people. You know what we're, we, we've been talking about as, as a leadership team? We want to figure out ways to equip you and to help you to do that. We're talking about all kinds of things. <laughs> New sign. How can people find it? I don't even have a sign. Well, amen. You're right. It's tough to find it sometimes. We're talking about what we can do to help you so that when you're saying, hey, come and see, it's a blessing on you. Because that's exactly what we want. In Acts chapter 2, it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Everybody say, one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking. <laughs> Turn over to Acts chapter 1 as well. Verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. If you're going to go and tell, if you're going to ask people to come and see, you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. For us to accomplish at all what God has for us. Um, we have to get past a tribal knowledge of simple things that people say that's just not right. God will never give you more than you can handle. Have you ever lived? Are you awake? Have you ever walked at all with the Lord? Of course He will give you more than you can handle. That's the dumbest thing ever. I don't need false appeasement to help encourage me. I need you to tell me the truth. Of course He's going to give you more than He can handle. If you look at what's going on in our church right now, I'm going to say that's probably more than we can handle. Is that right, Clements? If I'm going to look at it from a natural point of view, if I'm going to ask Steve and Dee right now, it's probably more than we can handle. If we look at the tasks that we are trying to accomplish as a church, I'm going to just go ahead and say it's more than we can handle. Amen. Huh. Good thing it's not depending on us. Good thing that when He puts His Holy Spirit in it, it makes us enough. It makes us reach out to Him and I get desperate for the Holy Spirit in my life. God, I'm, God, if you don't come into me, the people won't get what they need. That's not acceptable. God, if you don't make your spirit alive in me, my family will not grow into what they're supposed to be because I don't have what it takes. God does not need our strength. He does not need your intelligence. He does not need your ability. Those things can actually get in your way. When he says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you receive power so you can be the witnesses, Lord, I really do want to have stones in the shepherd's back. God, I want to be able to hold up the righteous standard that you have. God, I want to be able to launch people out into their destiny, into their call. And I can't do any of that by myself. I can barely do it in my own life with his help. <laughs> Are you desperate for the Holy Spirit? Are you desperate for something that can cause you to do more than you think you can do? I'm not delusional. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm saying I can't do. The calling that He has on me, the calling that He has on us, is too big. So let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. It's too big. It's too big for you, Curtis. Because God's a good God. He's given you a beautiful wife and a beautiful family. You mean, you mean to tell you something? Without the power of the Holy Spirit... We'll just be mediocre at best. Are you actually hungry for the things of the Spirit? Are you actually hungry 